Well, we're starting the new message series. We're excited about it. We finished alignment. How many of you are a little more aligned, hopefully, in all areas of your life? Well, we're glad you're here. Starting a new message series called Security Measures, and we're going to unpack that over the next couple of weeks. First of all, we're going to start with a verse that I want you to memorize. We're going to look on the screen. We're going to say it out loud together. And this is one of those verses that you want in your contacts, your speed dial, your Rolodex. Here we go. Proverbs 13.20 says this. Ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Let's do it again. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. That's a scripture verse that Denise and I committed to memory, and we've prayed that verse over our kids practically since the time they were born. Um, It's a great verse. It's an important verse because if you walk with wise people, you become wiser. If you walk with foolish people, you become more foolish. And so as I was praying that verse for our kids, God began to reveal some of my own blind spots with people. And I began to realize that in, in my life as well as your life, we have lots of people. And there's lots of different types of people. For, for instance, you've got, you've got great relationships and some not-so-great relationships. You've got some people that you really, really like to be around, and you've got... I'm trying not to look at anybody right now. <laughs> and you've got some people that you really don't want to be around. Um, we've all got those people in our lives. You do, I do, we all do. And I began to think about how do I help my kids unpack the multiple relationships that they're going to have in their life. They're going to have unholy alliances. They're they're going to have networking friends. They're going to have, you know, people that are needy. They're going to have people that 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 they need. And so I began to see like all these different relationships are just kind of all in a mess, just kind of all in a ball. And you've got the same thing. If you're, if you're you know, unless you're in a cocoon, you've got some unholy alliances in, in business or in people that are out there in the world. You've got some networking friends. You've got some very loyal friends. You've got some people who are brutally honest with you. You don't even want them to be, but they're like brutally honest with you. you you've, got, you've got people in your life that, that are a mess. You've got people in your life that you're like stuck with. You're stuck with them. Turn to the person to your left and say, I think I'm stuck sitting here. <laughs> Turn to the person to your right and go, I know I'm stuck with you, okay? I mean, some of these people you're stuck with, they're in your family. You can't get rid of them. You're stuck, you know? Uncle Harry, show, he'll show up at Thanksgiving dinner, and nobody really knows what to do with Uncle Harry because he's had six cold ones before Thanksgiving dinner even starts, and there's no filters on Uncle Harry, you know? And, and these are stories that you tell me. I don't make this up, and some of you have Aunt Mary's and She's 70, and she'll throw up stone. I mean, she smokes pot at age 70. 
And so you're just stuck with some of these people in your life, right? We've all got people in our lives that we're just... So, so what do we do with, with all these different people? All right. So this past week, um, weekend, I spoke at a Walk Through the Bible conference a couple of times. And um, just a great conference. And it went to last night. Started, so we left Thursday morning and went to Bonita Springs. You know where Bonita Springs is? About a three-and-a-half-hour drive. Anybody know where that is? Okay, just below Fort Myers. So we're there, and it was my job to pack the hang-up bag. Well, I probably should have taken two hang-up bags. It's only for two and a half days. But anyway, I, I, I jammed all the clothes in the one hang-up bag. So I got all Danita's stuff, and I like to blame her, but it wasn't her. I had just as many hangers. And so I got them all in that little clip, you know, on the hang-up bag. Are you with me so far? So I get to Bonita Springs, and I, I'm a little weird about my clothes on trips. I, I, it doesn't matter how long I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a place. I unpack everything, put it away in the drawers. I take everything out of the hang-up bag, hang everything up. That's just me. I'm a little weird like that. And I'm not an organized person, so don't think I'm real organized. But my clothes are, mean something to me. So anyway, so it's time to take the clothes out of the hang-up bag. And there are all these hangers are like crisscrossed, jammed, you know, and I'm trying to, for Danita not to see it, you know, because she wouldn't be really happy with this. And so I, I take them all off of it. And it takes forever to untangle that. All right, some of you ladies, you have your jewelry, and I don't know how it happens, but somehow you've knocked over your little jewelry box, or somehow you've knocked it over, and you've got like three or four of your gold necklaces, your chains, and they're all tangled together, and they're in a knot. How many of you have ever spent some time getting a knot out of one of your gold chains? All right. Now, as a dude, I don't enjoy that, but I have unknotted Danita's and Erica's and Emily's gold chains. All right, guys, here's for you. Here's for us. All right, all the guys in this room who fish, you thought you snapped the lid to the tackle box, but you didn't. And you grab that box to take it off out of the boat, and what happens? That's right. It's, and, and, and bad words come. You never say them, of course. They just, they just come right here. Yeah, we've already had communion. You can say whatever you want to say. So you, you take your lures, and all of a sudden your lures are like all messed up. They're all what? They're, they're all tangled. They're all, they're all tangled together. And so individually, these are great. But when they're all a mess, you, you don't really, they're not any good. And so individually, here's a grouper jig. You knock this on the bottom, come up 10 or 12 feet and just jig like crazy. It'll also catch blackfin tuna. But, but when it's all a mess, it, this one this will catch kingfish. I can't even undo it. Um, but so you spend your time, I just poked me, ow, (laughs) anybody need blood work? Um, so this will catch some, some great tuna, but when they're all together, they're not a whole lot of good. So what I want to do for the next couple of minutes, I want to untangle your relationships. I have three objectives and this is objective number one right now. Objective number one is for me to be really effective and efficient in life, I get to tell preacher stories and scripture and lures. It doesn't get any better than this on a Sunday morning. But, but when, when your relationships are tangled, it's sometimes hard to know what to do with life. And so for a couple of minutes, this is your homework today, I'm going to ask you to untangle, the because you've got all six of these I'm about to mention. Now, what's so cool about the scriptures is, so did King David. 
King David had all six of these relationships, and King David knew how to untangle them. And I thought about this with my kids. Actually, thinking about my children, teaching my kids, how do they unpack, how do we untangle the multiple types of relationships that we have with people? So here's the first one. David had unholy alliances, as do you. Now, hopefully you're not married to an unholy alliance, and hopefully you're not like partners with an unholy alliance, but every one of us in this room have some unholy alliances. It may be the mechanic, it may be the bank teller, it may be the waitress, but we've all got unholy alliances in our life. Now, look at what David did. Now, this is when David is running and gunning for his life. This is when King Saul is threatened and out to kill him. David thought to himself, one of these days I will be destroyed by the hand of Saul. And the best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up searching for the land of the Philistines. That's his enemy. He killed Philistines. And now he's going to go to the land of the Philistines. He's going to hang out there for well over a year. Then Saul will give up searching for me anywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. So David and the 600 men with him left, and they went over to Achish. Okay? Look at the next verse. David and his men settled in Gath with Achish. Each man had his family with him. David had his two wives, Ahonahem of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, the wife of Nabal. When Saul was told that David had fled to Gath, he no longer searched for him. Then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be assigned to me in one of the country towns that I may live there. Why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So on that day, Achish gave him Ziklag and has belonged to the king of Judah ever since. Now look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this, David lived in Philistine territory a year and four months. So it's not like you're not going to have unholy alliances. You're going to have them. They just shouldn't be in your inner circle. Here's the second one. Here's the second type of people that you will have in your life. I call this so-called friends. They call you up whenever they have a need. They're so-called because they're only friends when they need something from you. I got a guy out of state who calls me about six or seven times a year, never calls me up and says, hey, how you doing? Man, I've missed you. Bro, how can I pray for you? He's always about to jump off a cliff. And so it's always like a so-called need. Here's what happened. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented, they gathered around him, and he became their commander, about 400 men with him. Again, this is pre-king. David is running and gunning for his life. And, and these are a group of people who rallied around David because what can David do for me? Now, you've got people in your life like that, and I've got people in my life like that, and that's okay. It's just they can't be all the people in your life. So I call this so-called friends. Category number three that I need to untangle is I have some needs. This is need-based friends. Everybody in the room has people who need you, and you need some people. And in this particular story, David and his men are about to starve to death, and he needs some help. And so he goes to this priest, and he asks for bread. And the priest says, I don't have any bread except bread that's in the tabernacle. You're going to give me bread in the tabernacle? And David said, I don't have a weapon either. I need a weapon. So here's what he said. Now then, do you have, what do you have on hand? says David, give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. So the priest 
gave him the consecrated bread. This is bread in the holy place that's coming off of the tabernacle. Since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Verse 7. Or eight. David said to Ahimelech, don't you have a sword or a spear here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. Now, he was kind of protecting the priest. The king's, king was trying to kill him, so he wasn't on a mission from the king. He, this is kind of a, a, he, he's trying to keep this priest from being uh, hurt. Look, look at what he says in verse 9. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli, it is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the epod. Look at the last part of this verse. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. And David said, there is none like it. Give me Goliath's sword. So David has a need. And it's okay for you to have a need. Everybody in the room has needs. It's okay that you have friends who can help you and participate in your life and, and share with you. That's great. It's just that, you know, that's not the only kind of people that are in your life. So that, that's number three. Number four, I call this networking friends. Now, everybody in the room understands networking, too. You've networked. Uh, and networking friends take place. It's kind of like, you know, maybe at, at the end of the year, you, you give everybody a gift. Maybe this is, these are all your clients. These are people that, that you want to stay in good favor with. And so, you know, you send them like the fruitcake. Don't, don't send the fruitcake. That's like food from hell. <laughs> send them a ham or a turkey. If you're Jewish, don't send them a ham. But if you're, you know, send them a turkey or, you know, something. But anyway, this is what David does. He says this, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day now, the Amicalites had raided the Negev and Ziklag, and they had attacked Ziklag and burned it. So the enemies have attacked David, David's family. All of David's family gets carried away. Now, David and his men go after them, okay? They had attacked the Ziklag, they burned it, and they had taken captive the women and everyone else in it. Both young and old, they killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, David and his men were out raiding. They come back to camp, and all their wives and children have been carried away. When David and his men reached Ziklag, it was destroyed by fire, and their wives, sons, and daughters were taken captive. Now, can you imagine that? You're a warrior. You've been out fighting. You come back to camp. You come back home, and your women, your children, your family, they are all been carried away by these other people. So David and his men wept out loud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives have been captured, Ahonahem of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. All right? So they've all been taken away. Now, the rest of the chapter is David goes after them. And man, does he go after them. And he just like tears them apart, puts them to the sword, blah, blah, blah. And he gets the plunder. He takes all their gold, their silver, their jewelry, their sheep, their cattle. He takes everything from them. Now, when David reached Ziglag, he sent some of the plunder, so now he's got like wagons and wagons and wagon loads of plunder, and he sent some of it to the elders of Judah who were his friends saying, here is a gift. Here is a gift for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. And if you read the rest of the chapter, he sends the plunder over there to that city and to that city and to this city. About eight more cities, he sends the plunder. Now, why did he do that? He's networking. He's networking. It's not that he's trying to manipulate, but he's networking with the people that he's working with to stay in good favor. And so you've got 
networking friends that you, they're not in your inner circle, but they're a part of your circle. Look at the next group of people that we need to be able to untangle. These are called brutally honest friends. Now, hopefully you don't have too many of these, but you need at least one of these. Now, if you don't have anybody in your life who can or will speak truth to you, that says more about you than it does about them. You see, because some of us don't want people to be brutally honest. Now, some people love to be brutally honest, and those are the kind of people you don't want in your life. But it's the people who don't want to be brutally honest, but who feel like they have to be honest with you. Those are the people you want in your life. So let me ask you a question. Does anybody speak into you? Do you allow anybody to point out your blind spots? You got blind spots. I got blind spots. We all got blind spots. So who in your life has the right to speak into you? Well, for goodness sakes, David, now he is king in this story, and David commits adultery with Bathsheba, and he kills Bathsheba's husband called Uriah the Hittite. And it's well over a year since this has all taken place. Now, how do we know that? Because the baby's probably at least nine months go by. The baby's born. The baby dies. So we're at least past nine months, probably a year. And David thinks he's got away with adultery and murder. And so here comes Nathan the prophet. And Nathan the prophet said to David, you're the man. It's a great story about how a guy takes this one little ewe lamb and another guy's got lots of ewe lambs and the guy who's got lots of ewe lambs takes the one from the poor little farmer. And David's angry. Well, who is that? He deserves to be killed. And Nathan kind of weaved a pretty cool web. And Nathan said, David, that's you. You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. David, I anointed you king over Israel. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. And I gave your master's house to you, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and all of Judah. And if all of that would have been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in your eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. And you took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. My goodness. After David finished talking with Saul, Jonathan, I'm sorry, let's say right there. Yep, yep. So here, here's the point. The point is, is there anybody in your life who can speak into you and say to you, hey, you know, I'm not sure this is going the right direction. Man, you're drinking, you're drinking a lot more than, than, than you used to. You, your, your tone, you, you, are, you, are you, your marriage doing okay? Hey, are you, are you sure you want to go to some of those places? Man, you're spending money kind of right and left and buying this and buying that. Are, are, you, are you, everything okay? Are, are, you, are you doing okay? Do you have any of those people in your life that David did? And the last one here is this. Um, loyal friends. Everybody needs some loyal friends. Everybody needs some loyal people in their life. After David finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Now, don't just read over that. Jonathan's in line to be king Jonathan's the prince. Jonathan's going to become the next king of Israel if, if you were doing things normally. But Jonathan knew that David would be the next king of Israel. And Jonathan was so loyal to David, and David was so loyal. After David finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as much as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. Look at the next verse. 
And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing, gave it to David along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. You see, you've got, you've got six different, let's put the list up there. You've got six potentially different groups of people in your life. You've got some unholy alliances. Unless you live in a cocoon, you've got some unholy alliances. Again, I hope you're not married to it. I hope they're not your business partners, but, but you, you're going to have some unholy alliances in life. That's just the way it is. You're going to have some so-called friends. They're going to call you whenever they want something. But you've got some people that you need. These are need-based people in your life that you need to help you with. You've, we've all got networking friends. I've got a bunch of preachers I'm not really close to, but we all network and share thoughts and share ideas. You've got a few brutally honest friends in your life. Hopefully you've got some real loyal people. So this is your homework. Your homework is to take that list and try to untangle them. That's objective number one today is to untangle. I just want it to be clear. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Something else I've shared with my kids and maybe once or twice with you, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I've said this over and over and over again. Show me your friends. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. I'm not a prophet, but the people that you hang with, they are the people that eventually you're going to become like, and they're going to influence you the most. Show me your friends. This is why students, as parents and as grandparents, we are all freaked out about who you spend time with. Absolutely we care about this. Because we all know in this room, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, that the people around us will influence us the, the greatest. Well, here's objective number two. Since that's true, here's the second objective, number two. I know where I'm going, and these friends can assist me. I, I know where I'm going, and I got the right people then in my life. So, so here would be the question this morning. It's like, it's like where do you want to go? Where, where do you want to go in life? Now, the reason I ask that question is because if you don't think that through, you will drift. Nobody drifts north. Everybody drifts south. Take the car out of gear, go into neutral, and eventually the car loses its energy. So nobody, nobody drifts north. Everybody drifts south. To put the car in neutral, it runs out of inertia. So, so the reason that we have to think through this is, where do I want to go? And so if I want to like, and I'm not, I'm not the church Nazi, but if you like attend church like once a quarter, this is just like your, your, your four times a year, and this is just your day, you know, and that's what you want to do. It's not about attending church, but, but it's about your spiritual life. If you just want to like have this little level of spirituality, then you're going to hang with people who do just what you do. If, if you want to, like, just throw up a couple of Hail Mary prayers every time there's a concern, you're, your friends are going to be people who just kind of pray when there's desperation. If, if you don't really want to learn the Scriptures, then you're going to spend time with people who all kind of know John 3.16. That's a great verse, but that's the, that's the level of their biblical knowledge. But if you want to become a wise man, a wise woman a wise middle schooler or high schooler, then you begin to spend time with people who are wise. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools always suffers harm. 
And so you, you think about the people that, that, that you're hanging with. Are they, are they whiners? Are they complainers? Are they gossipers? Do they have financial, you know, incredible problems? Because those people are going to influence you. I want to have a great attitude. I, I, I want to be grateful. I can't believe God's done all the things he's done for me. I am, I'm shocked. I'm overwhelmed. I want to I wanna have a great attitude the rest of my life. I want to be grateful every single day of my life. I don't want to stir things up and create disunity. I want to promote unity. So guess what I do? My inner circle of men are people who have great attitudes, tremendously grateful. They promote unity. And so when you look at the signs in your own life, if you start saying to yourself, you know what, I'll go with them, but I just won't participate. That's a red flag. Or when I'm with them, I'm really not myself. That's really not what I want. It's really not who I am. That's not really what, if you, if you hear yourself saying those things, if you, if, another sign is, man, I hope the people who like know me the best and respect me the most, I hope they don't find out. Hope they don't know where I am. Hope they don't know who I am. Hope they, hope they don't know what I'm, what I'm doing. Those are all signs, okay? So let me, let me give you a couple of illustrations, and the first one's not very spiritual. But I love offshore fishing. I love it. And one of my goals is to become a great offshore fisherman. And I fished with three different men from this church. It's funny. One of them's in first service. One of them's in this service. And one of them will be in the last service. And I, I fish with all, I think it's a conspiracy, so I tell the fish stories right. I really, I really do. But, but I want to become a great offshore fisherman. So guess what? I, I, I'm good, but I'm not great. So I, I fish with them. And all three of those men teach me something every time. I'm going, wow, I didn't, I didn't know. That's a good trick. Oh, that's a little tip. Oh, I didn't know about that. And all three of these men, they're better than I am. And I love fishing with them. Just, just love it. I want to become one of the greatest Bible teachers in the world. I, I want to get better every single year. And so during the week, I get online and I watch different Bible teachers I don't even agree with some of their theology. That's not the point. The point is I'm hanging even, you know, through the computer with some of those people. We had an elders retreat a couple of weekends ago, and our chairman of our elders got all of us there together, and he had Dr. and Mrs. Eubanks uh, come, and they were our guests and speakers at our elders retreat. Now, Mrs. Eubanks is 82, and Dr. Eubanks is 80. And he was a professor and the president of Johnson Bible College. It's now called Johnson University for 49 years. 49 years. These amazing people. And during that retreat, when, when we were there, you can just, the wisdom. They've walked with wise people. The, the scriptures that just flowed, their, their, their humility, their skill. And, 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 and I, I remember, Denise and I both, after the retreat was over, you know, we looked at each other and we said, how do we get from here to there? I remember she and I both said, how do we, the next 30 years of our lives, how do we get from here to, to there? See, where do you want to go? That's the first question. Where do you want to go? And then do you have the people in your life 
You get it, don't you? You get this. Well, well goal number three, objective number three today then is, is to become a better friend. You see, when I become a better friend, everybody in my life benefits. And I thought about that with King David. Every relationship that King David had, they all got better. Even, even his enemies he treated with amazing respect. The grandson of Jonathan he treated with amazing respect. Allowed the grandson of Jonathan, the other kingly line, to eat at his table. And everywhere David went, he was a great friend. And I thought, man, one of my goals is to become a better friend. How can I become a better friend? And so when I'm a better friend, everyone in my life benefits from, from that. So how do you do that? How do you become that man or woman of where you are today, but, boy, I want to be here spiritually. I, I want to be here with prayer. I want to be here with fiscal responsibility. I want to be here with, with sexual integrity. I want to be here with, with my health. H- how do we do that? Well, again, it's, 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 it's the right people. It's the right people. It's putting those people in your life, and those people help you to get where, but, but you got to know where you want to go, and you got to untangle all, all those different relationships. Sunday night's baptismal service was just amazing. Um, I think we had like 40-some people signed up, and we got there, and like 71 people signed up, you know. And, and it was amazing because I didn't know all these people, and I didn't, I didn't have a lot to do with it. I had this much to do with sign, and, and yet... All these different people invited different people to church. And all these different people shared Christ. And all these different people shared, you know, what Jesus meant to them. And and so this baptismal service was like like amazing. And then all of a sudden you you see a lady and and she's got cancer. The chemo. And the chemo has done a number on her hair, obviously. And so she wears a scarf here on Sundays. And she took the scarf off and she has no hair. She's out there in the water. I see her coming. I'm going, oh, man. Don't anybody ever give me an excuse for not being able to be baptized. I don't want to hear it. Here's this lady bald with her husband going out there. I see another man. He can't walk. He's in a wheelchair in first service. He's in a wheelchair. And all of a sudden, two big six-foot-four, six-foot-five guys, one of them's on the front row right now, start they carry him out there. I'm watching them carry a man who cannot walk, and they baptize him into Christ. This is, this is what we do. You see, we, we help each other to get there where we need to be. We, we work together. We're family. We're family, and we grow together. So just look at what friends did with friends this past Sunday night. Watch the, watch the video, if you would. a couple of rare medical conditions. Um, the first one was called Cushing's disease, and it's a, it's a tumor. It's in your brain. It took six years to get diagnosed. I went from doctor to doctor, hospital to hospital, and I just felt like, how could, how could there be a God 
<laughs> and allow me to go through, it just felt like torture. There's been times I was mad at God, lost my faith completely. I was in a support group and I met a wonderful lady and we ended up in Seattle having surgery at the same time. I was there 21 days and she was there three months. And I would call and check on her and she would just be in such great spirit. And I would be like, how can you, you know, like you're just going through so much, how can you? And she says, cause I know God has me no matter what. We've remained friends and she's always um, tried to bring me closer to God and, and help me with my faith. You know, I kept saying, I want to get baptized, but I want to wait for God to tell me when it's right, you know? And then I was like, that's really stupid. <laughs> Just do it. Born again, I guess, is the word, you know. I mean, that's exact. it felt exactly the way that I thought it would. Cleansing and renewing and knowing that I belong and that God has me and I don't have anything to worry about. You've never had a friend like Jesus. Why not become great friends with Jesus the Christ? You know what he did for you? He left heaven. He left perfection. And he came to this earth 
and he lived a life that was pure and perfect. And he died on a Roman cruel cross. And that was a sin offering for whosoever will. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died to remove all your guilt, all your shame. Jesus died so that you and I could live forever in the presence of his Father. That's what he did. And what does he do? He intercedes for us. He's at the right hand of God the Father, interceding, listening to your prayers and my prayers. He has placed his Holy Spirit inside of every believer, every Christian in this room. He's put his Spirit inside. And that Holy Spirit says, lean in, lean in, lean in. Trust me, trust me, obey, give me your life. Trust me. And what will he do? Oh, he will present us to the Father. Hey, this is Joey. At 12, Joey gave his life to Christ. This is Michaela. She was 72. She gave her life to, Dad, this is one of my, what will he do? Oh, he'll present us to the Father. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've never had a friend like Jesus. You'll never have a friend like Jesus. And so we come together to lift him up. And he says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men and women, boys and girls, to to myself. So we want to encourage you today to lean in. We want to encourage you today that if you've never given your life to Christ, you do so today. You admit that he's your savior. You admit that you need to be saved from your sins. You admit that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. And so today is your opportunity if you've never given your life to Christ. But secondly, for those of you that have, it's to think about all these people in my life. How do I untangle this? How do I put this in the right place? How do I put the people around me who can assist me to to be a better dad, to be a better mom, to be a better single woman? How do I put the people around me who can help me to learn Scripture? Who will pray for me? Who will encourage me and support me? How do I put those people around me? And then I become a better friend. I grow in my ability to be a greater friend to you. Let's stand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down front. And uh, this is your day and my day to respond to God's scripture and God's truth. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. We honor you, King Jesus. Thank you. We're grateful for who you are and for what you've done. If there are those in the room that have never given their lives to you, pray that today they will boldly come down front and proclaim that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.